Hello listeners, Andy Heiss here with a quick message from one of our sponsors. Are you a student looking to sell your art? Look no further than artbystudents.com. Their platform is specifically designed to help students showcase and sell their work to a wider audience. With artbystudents.com, you can easily create a profile, upload your art, and start selling in no time. Plus, their simple and secure payment system makes it easy for buyers to purchase your work. So check out artbystudents.com today to get started. That's artbystudents.com. Welcome to the Arts Entrepreneurship Podcast, making art work. We highlight how entrepreneurs align their artistry, passion, and vision to create and pursue opportunities to capture value in the arts. The views expressed by guests on the Arts Entrepreneurship Podcast are solely their own and do not necessarily represent the views of the podcast or its hosts. The appearance of a guest on the podcast, the venture they represent, or reference to any product or service does not imply an endorsement or recommendation by the podcast or its hosts. The content provided is for entertainment and informational purposes only and does not constitute business advice. Here are your hosts, Andy Heiss and Nick Petrella. Hello, Arts Entrepreneurship Podcast listeners. My name is Andy Heiss. And I'm Nick Petrella. Today, we're excited to have acclaimed sculptor Alan Cottrell on the podcast. He's had a fascinating path to becoming an arts entrepreneur. After college and enlisting in the U.S. Army, he founded a successful fast food chain and traveled the world as an international entrepreneur. After touching clay for the first time in 1990, he sold his business interests and dedicated himself full-time to becoming one of the finest figurative sculptors in the world. Allen's sculptures can be found in universities, memorials, and other venues throughout the United States. We'll have his website in the show notes so you can read more about him and his works. Alan, thanks for making the time to be with us today. My pleasure. Thank you. So you're yeah. a one-stop shop. Yeah. In your mind, yeah. really. I mean, you're keeping track of the business side and the artistic side. Yes. And I, I wouldn't like it if I only had one and not the other. I, I like both. Yeah. I have expansive lists. And like I say, I every few days I'll sit down and, and rework everything. And yeah, so there's there's a lot of business that also goes into it but then i sit down in front of a piece and i can make love to it for three or four hours that's great so why zanesville ohio well i was born on a hill back behind us here my studio and i grew up about four or five hills out in the country left a week i turned 18 lived a lot of places uh, mostly outside of pittsburgh in Washington, PA, but also New York City for a couple years, Ireland. Mm -hmm. uh, and I lost my lease after nine years outside of Pittsburgh, and I was looking at buildings, and they were 30, 300 or 400,000 bucks. And I found a 27,000 square foot brick and concrete building with industrial windows for $50,000 in Zanesville. And I'd started my bronze foundry here because my best friend, I went off 12 years of school with him. Mm. It turns out we were the two boys with ADHD. And he, he uh, 
his family moved on his hill in 1803, and he wasn't leaving that hill. And he had worked in wow. an iron foundry, had a machine shop uh, at some outbuildings on his farm, and said to me, Alan, why don't we start our own foundry? Okay. okay. So we started pouring in his old milk house, little tiny thing. And within a few months, we were pouring seven or eight foot statues. Wow. We've, that was 27 years ago, and we've poured thousands and thousands of statues at this point. Yeah. So that's a, that's a lot of bronze. I mean, based on the, the volume that you create, you must use an, an enormous amount. So, you know, given that it's very expensive and metal prices fluctuate, right, they're pretty dynamic, can you describe how you buy materials? I mean, do you, do you buy a whole bunch when the prices are low? And do you buy no, an alloy? I, do you mix it yourself? Uh, I buy an alloy, and I buy it when I need it. I usually get 5,000 pounds of bronze at a time. So that's 20-some thousand dollars to get the bronze. Uh, it, it is what it is. And mm -hmm. I, uh, it comes in bricks uh, about this, almost the size of a, a regular building brick, uh, already uh, pre-mixed alloy. And, and then we just melt it in the, yeah. uh, in the furnace and pour it. And do you just get, do you pick the alloy? Or do you have? Do you just take what they give you? Like you pick? No, you know, no, no. It, it's a there, there's a Cadillac of bronze casting alloys, mm -hmm. and that's what we use—the absolute best you can buy. We've tried to restore from some statues from China. There was one. We we restored a Vietnam era, supposed to be an American soldier that somebody had cast in China. Well, it didn't look very American. <laughs> it was full of pit holes and just terrible casting. So we tried to fix that up for him. But, yeah, yeah there's we use the Cadillac of bronzes. Yeah. yeah. And just quick follow-up. So you're buying 5,000 pounds at a time. What does a, an average ballpark uh, seven-foot statue, what does that weigh? Yeah, it depends on the accoutrement that he has. Uh, generally, five, six hundred pounds. Yeah, yeah. Because they're hollow. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. About yeah. three sixteenths of an inch is perfect. Anything okay. more, you're just wasting bronze. Anything less, you, it, it can get a little weaker. So yeah. you shoot for that sweet spot, three three sixteenths of an inch. And what about like the patina or color? What's do you do you you do that? Like, is it a chemical sort of? Yeah, we give it a final sandblast, uh, and that gives it a microscopic tooth on the surface of the bronze. And then, depending on the patina that the client wants, I prefer a, a, a traditional dark brown, rich color patina, and almost everybody wants that. Well. We spray on, I think, ferric nitrate um, and potash, a couple of different chemicals in different sequences just to give it the different depth of surface that you want in a patina. So that's kind of an art in and of itself. Yeah. Um, Alan, given all the things that you've done and are, are doing currently, um, you have – very much what I would I would characterize as an entrepreneurial spirit. Do you consider consider yourself or think of yourself as an entrepreneur? 
I didn't even know what that was growing up, but I've always been one. I mean, I yeah. trapped muskrats when I was seven or eight years old, and then I walked up and down the ditches out in the country getting two-cent pop bottles. And I know that when I went to college, which wasn't that long, but uh, you were only allowed one electric outlet in your room, so I got a popcorn popper. So during the day, this was 1970, I would tie-dye T-shirts and sell them. Then at night, I would pop popcorn and make sandwiches. I'd clean it out first, of course. I'd pop popcorn and, and make sandwiches and go door-to-door selling those. Then one day, I came up with the idea, because I always traded stuff. Being an Appalachian country boy, you, you trade stuff. So I put all my stuff in a box, and I slid it down the hall and knock on guy's door and say hey you want to trade something they first they thought i was nuts but then i said i got some good stuff here let's trade within a couple weeks i had a motorcycle and all kind of stuff so yeah i guess i've always had that entrepreneurial spirit so so where where do you think where does that where do you think that comes from i think you're you're born with that i mean i just yeah it, I, the one one element of success that few people take into consideration, and I, I've read a lot of biographies and thought a lot about it, is audacity. And I've always been audacious. Didn't even know I was. I just I always was what I was. But my sister always said, "You're weird." Well, yeah, I, I was weird. <laughs> Looking back, I'm still weird, but I I, I own it, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Audacious. I wouldn't say weird. Audacious. <laughs> and they're not mutually. You can be weird and audacious. And that's true. Yeah, that's true. Probably yeah. both. Yeah. <laughs> so, do you do you think you have a scarcity mindset, or do you think it's one of abundance? And I know. So, I've worked with entrepreneurs who are much older than you, and these people grew up in the depression, and they would keep everything almost like hoarders because they went through that depression. And they realize how scarce opportunity materials can be. I, I started out with that to the point where in my first pizza shop, I made the employees use the same pizza box for weeks at a time because it would save me 15 cents. I wouldn't give them each a new box. They had to use the same one. Uh, and I'm, I made real high profits. I'm at the point now, I just raised all my employees about 20% in their wages. And I, I want everybody that works with me to make a living wage, be, to say, happy, yeah, comfortable in their workplace, uh, and enjoy it. So, yeah, I've evolved. I mean, when I started, uh, when I got out of the Army, I was 74 or so, uh, and we opened up our first pizza shop. If somebody was five minutes late, we would dock them half an hour. I mean, <laughs> things have changed a lot. That was the sure. mindset of my parents, and that's what yeah. I went in with them on the initial pizza shop. So I started with that mindset, but I'd like to think I've evolved. I mean, our society and culture has evolved, or at least it did. I'm afraid we're regressing now, and some quarters. Yeah. Yeah. Alan, we've reached the point of the interview where we ask all of our interviewees the same three questions. 
And the first question is, um, what advice would you give to someone wanting to become an arts entrepreneur? Well, you're speaking of art entrepreneurship. And I, I get a fair amount of youth that come in here, junior high, high school students on tours, Mm-hmm. And I'm asked to speak to them. And I, mm-hmm. I always tell them, give them a piece of advice that no one ever gave me, but I think it's very appropriate. And that is set your goals really high. Set really high goals. And then write down your goal and write down a list of steps to reach your goal. And then as you're attempting to reach that goal, you might have to add other steps, uh, but still strive for that goal. I think most people are self-limiting. They just don't reach high enough. And I, I know I reached as high as a person can. And had I not, I don't think I would have achieved as much as I have. So that's great advice. What can we do to ensure the arts are more accessible and reaching the widest possible audience? The one thing I've done is open up my gallery as a cultural resource. And we're open six days a week from nine to five. And I'm almost always here Sunday afternoons, noon to five. And anybody's welcome to come in. They feel immediately comfortable. They understand the art. It's figurative. There's a lot of feeling in the art, and people often say, wow, I can really feel that, and that's the highest praise I can get. But I have poor country people come in here, and they're comfortable. And yeah, I'm not wearing a beret and have a funny mustache, and I don't speak with a dialect, uh, although I try to sink back into Appalachian dialect when appropriate. <laughs> I spent my life trying to get rid of it, but it's easy to sink back into it. But uh, however we can, whatever we can do to make people, all people comfortable with our art uh, and to explain it as, as best we can. I mean, art should explain itself. There should be not need to be any explanation. A person should look at a. I think a person should be able to look at a piece and feel something and or think something. Uh, with I hate art that you have to. I better look down at this because I don't understand it. I don't feel it. And then you read it. Oh, okay. Now I. That's I don't appreciate that kind of art. Yeah. yeah. Last question for you, Alan. What's the um, what's the best artistic or entrepreneurial advice you've ever received? I don't know if I've ever asked for or received any. Uh, I've given a lot. I've figured out a lot of things. Just sure, sure. always be honest, totally honest. If you screw up, and we all will. You raise your hand and own it. I screwed up. How can I make this right? Uh, that's the. If somebody were giving me advice, I would want them to give me that. But that's uh-huh. the way I was raised. So, uh, and, and I also, when I don't know something, I'll ask. I'll ask someone 
more experienced or wiser than me in whatever area that we're addressing. Sure. Yeah. That's a great way to end. It's funny, as you were saying wise, I had written down wisdom and I just, just, it's been a, this has been a lot of fun. It's been entertaining and it's just great to hear the, the pearls of wisdom that you have to offer. Yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, Alan. Yeah. The the one other thing that. Sure. I would, that people don't have enough of, especially artists is confidence. They just don't have enough confidence. Be confident in yourself. Be proud of yourself, but be confident and exude that confidence because then people around you appreciate you more. They take you more seriously. And I've always had that, if if nothing else. Yeah. How? So is there a way that people who maybe don't, have confidence could build confidence what do you think? <laughs> well uh, most people aren't self-analytical enough they, they just don't understand themselves they're not cr- self-critical the, mo- the more you understand yourself the, the more confident you can be um, as you asked that i thought it was funny it was kind of like it's kind of like asking somebody with perfect pitch how to teach somebody to hear a four <laughs> yeah right <laughs> <laughs> And I'm toned down, so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for being on the podcast. Oh, thanks a lot, man. It's, It's been fun. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe. Visit artsentrepreneurshippodcast.com to learn more about our guest and how you can help support artists, the arts, and this podcast.